You're listening to the Hollyview Podcast, a message from Hollyview Church in Damascus, Oregon. We hope this message encourages and challenges you in your daily walk with Christ, but doesn't replace the importance of gathering together each week with a local community of people that follow Jesus. It's together that we are being shaped by the gospel, rooted in God's word, to share God's grace and truth. Thank you for listening to the Hollyview Podcast. This is a re-recording of a message entitled Empty Hands in 1 Samuel 18 through 21. I'd like to begin by reading a portion of our text today found in 1 Samuel 18. We pick up our story from last week when we saw David and Goliath, this anointed king of Israel who comes to his own and is rejected and ends up going out and still as a representative defeating death and slavery to uh, bring freedom to the, the people. Uh, David comes back, and we'll pick up our story in uh, chapter 18 and verse 6. As they were coming home, when David returned from striking down the Philistine, the women came out of all the cities of Israel, singing and dancing, to meet King Saul, with tambourines, with songs of joy, and with musical instruments. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And Saul was very angry, and this saying displeased him. He said, they have ascribed to David his ten thousands, and to me they have ascribed uh, thousands. And what more can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. The next day... A harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had a a spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but had departed from Saul. So Saul removed him from his presence and made him a commander of the thousand. And he went out and came in before the people. And David had success in all his undertakings, for the Lord was with him. And when Saul saw that he had great success, he stood in fearful awe of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, for he went out and came in before them. And God had his blessing to the reading of the word. Let's, let's pray. Lord, as we come to your scriptures again, written so long ago, but written uh, for us today, I pray that you would help us navigate our emotions, that you would stir up an affection uh, for you, that you would open our eyes, that we could see, that you'd open our ears, that we could hear what you'd have for us this morning, and that you'd soften our hearts so that we'd understand and be moved and stirred in your direction. Let us release the things that we're holding on to so tightly to be able to receive from you uh, our daily bread. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have quite a task ahead of us this morning. We're going to cover uh, chapters 18 through 21. That's four chapters. So I'd like to give you a handle before we begin, something to hold on to as we navigate these stories. We were missionaries living in Slovenia, and and living in Slovenia, we were only a couple hours away from uh, several really cool uh, countries, one of them being Italy. So we were able to visit that beautiful country several times, really enjoyed Italy. Uh, One time, just before Christmas, we made uh, a road trip through four or five different Italian uh, cities, and one of them being Florence. Now, I'm sure you've probably heard of 
Florence, Italy, and it's famous for uh, many things, but one of the things it's most famous for is uh, Michelangelo's statue of David. So, of course, uh, visiting Florence, we had to go uh, see the statue. So we found out what museum it was in, and, and then we found out the cost of that. And as a young uh, couple, it was going to be pretty uh, expensive. And then we found out that we could go see it, but actually uh, the top half of David's statue was being cleaned. So we could only see the bottom half of David's statue. So with that fact, along with a lot of how much money it was, we decided to just... Uh, go around the corner and see the repli replicate uh, statue of David in a, a courtyard. It was right actually by an apartment we were we were renting. Well, the statue of David is just it's it is really Im impressive. Uh, it's an impressive work of art. Uh, the statue itself is chiseled out of marble to show David right before he uh, goes into battle with Goliath. So, so over his left shoulder, there's actually a, a sling. So he's not throwing a coat over his shoulder. It's, it's the sling that he's going to use in the battle. And then if, if you're noticing, you'll see his right hand. And in his right hand, he's holding a, a stone. Now, Michelangelo, he was an artist. And one of the things that he did is he wanted to draw our attention to the right hand of David. So the right hand of David is actually disproportionate to the rest of his body. Uh, it, it's, it's too large for his, his body, and it's got so much detail in it. The veins are popping out. The, the, the fingers are just slightly uh, bending. It's, it's actually meant to draw our attention to the hand, to help us tell the story uh, of David through the, his hand. Now, as we return to the text this morning, the, the author of Samuel is going to do uh, the same thing. Is he's going to sculpt the story in a way uh, that draws our attention to the hands. We'll see the need to come to Jesus with empty hands, not, not holding on uh, to anger or jealousy or, or greed, but actually coming to Jesus with empty hands so that we can receive from him and receive from him every day our daily bread. Well, we're going to be looking at four chapters today, and you might be thinking, man, that's a, that's a lot of uh, material, but I, I just want to show you there's a literary unit going on here. If you look in 1 Samuel 18 and verse 7, you'll see uh, it's set apart a little bit. It's a little poem. It's a song, actually, uh, just two lines, and it says, Saul has struck his thousands, and David is ten thousands. Now, if you, you just flip the page in the Bible and go over to chapter 21, and at the end of, near the end of chapter 21, you'll, you'll see in verse 11, uh, there's another poem that's kind of set apart from the rest of uh, the writing. It's indented or, or, or formatted a little bit different in our English Bibles to kind of help us out. And again, you'll see another two-line song, a poem. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. Uh, these serve as like uh, bookends, or it's called an inclusio, uh, uh, something to, to draw our mind to the beginning and the end of this section. Now, in between these two uh, uh, bookends of 18 to 21, there is a disproportionate amount of times that, that hands are, are brought to our attention, that are mentioned in the next uh, several chapters. Uh, 
Let me just give you a, a few of them. In 1 Samuel 18, 10, it says, The next day a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had a spear in his hand. Saul had a spear in his hand. He just tells us what is in his hand. Now look at uh, 1 Samuel 18 and verse 21. It says, Saul thought, uh, let me give her to him, so his daughter to, to David, that she might be a snare for him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. The hand of the Philistines. 1 Samuel 19, 9. Then a harmful spirit from the Lord rushed, came upon Saul, and he sat in his house with, with once again, his spear in his hand, and David was playing the lyre. Chapter 21 and verse 3. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me, and we'll look at this a little bit more later, but actually put in my hand rather than give me. Put in my hand five loaves of bread or whatever is here. First Samuel 21, 4. And the priests answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread if the young men have kept themselves from women. And then 1 Samuel 21, 8. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or sword at hand? For I brought neither my sword nor my weapon with me, because the king's business required haste. If you went back through chapters 18 through 21, you'd, you'd actually find the word hand in Hebrew uh, 13 times. Uh, the author is... I think, is drawing our attention uh, to see the hand of, of several people. Uh, we're going to look at the hands of, of two people, hands of Saul and the hands of David, and, and see what's in their hands and, and what should be in their hands, and that we should actually come with empty hands to the Lord to be filled. But first, let's look at, at Saul. We find him sitting in his house, his tent, with a, a spear in his hand. Now, last week we saw this small shepherd boy defeat Goliath, this giant, and David defeats him as a representative of the nation to bring about their freedom. Uh, so, of course, people are, are praising him and Saul as the king, and they even come up with this little simple ditty. Uh, it was Israel's top 40 charts uh, during that year that, that everyone was singing. Let's look again in verse 7. In chapter 18. And the women sang to one another as they celebrated. Saul has struck down his thousands, and David his ten thousands. And verse 8 says, And Saul was very angry, and the saying displeased him. He said, They have ascribed to David his ten thousands, and to me they have only ascribed a thousand. Such a whiny voice. And what more can, can he have but the kingdom? And Saul eyed David from that day on. Well, the next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre, as he did day by day. Saul had the spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David evaded him twice, twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with him, but he had departed from Saul. Saul sitting in his house. I mean, the safest place as a king that he could be. He's gathered the biggest and strongest men to serve him and to protect him, be his bodyguard. So he has no reason 
to have a spear in his hand. He's got no danger in his own house with all the people surrounding him. But he sits there, face red, muscles tight, super angry, and with a spear in his hand. He he calls him David. Play me a song. So David starts playing on this lyre when Saul spins and squeezes the spear that's in his hand. Then all of a sudden, Saul stands up and throws the spear at David. And David has to jump out of the way. What was that? I mean, that's awkward. I mean, maybe he didn't like the song David was playing or, 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 or something's not sitting right with him. So maybe David thinks, okay, I'll choose a different song. And who knows? It seems like maybe they retrieved the spear and put it back in Saul's hand. And David settles in once more to play another song, but he keeps his eye on Saul. And wouldn't you know it, once more, Saul's face gets red. And he throws the spear at David again. Well, the spear in Saul's hand is actually just an outward symbol of what's really going on in in his heart. There are two emotions that we're told of in this this section of Scripture. Uh, Two emotions at work. We see one in verse 8 and then the other one in verse 12. We see that Saul was very angry and that Saul was very afraid. He was angry and afraid. And before we move on, I want to stop and make an observation. Anger is often a secondary emotion. Anger is often a secondary emotion. It's like when I stub my toe uh, in the middle of the night and I get angry at the wall. I want to hit the wall. But, but I'm only angry at the wall because I'm, I'm hurt. I'm trying to protect myself. We see Saul's anger is erupting out at David because he's afraid. And maybe even deeper than that, he's jealous of David. It's not because he's not angry at David because he's done something wrong. I mean, David has provided him a great service to Saul. He's playing him music. He's comforting him. And it often seems like anger is directed towards innocent people, doesn't it? I mean, you've probably experienced that before, and perhaps you've erupted out at somebody that didn't really deserve it, but, but that anger was, was coming from a, a deeper place, a deeper emotion. See, David's humble. He's patient. Uh, there's no reason to try and kill him. It just doesn't make sense. But Saul's anger is just a cover-up. It's a protection for a deeper emotion. See, Saul, it tells us, was afraid he knew that God was with David and had left him. So maybe he thought killing, uh, killing David before David maybe killed him, but he had no reason to even think that. It wasn't rational or logical. And, and killing David actually wouldn't solve the deeper problem. It wouldn't calm his fear. See, anger is like an iceberg that reveals there's something deeper going on. Anger is just the the tip of the iceberg. So before we grab a steering wheel to really show that person or or start typing on our keypads uh, to respond back to some post because we got angry or or we got this email that was just uh, so discouraging and we want to just get back at them or slamming the door, before we do any of that, I think we're going to need to empty our hands and then ask these two questions. 
what am I afraid of? And what am I trying to protect myself from? When that anger wells up and you want to just erupt, uh, just stop for a moment and open your hands and ask, am I afraid of something? What is, what is the, the anger? What, what is that showing that's going on inside of me that's deeper down? What am I afraid of? Or am I hurt? What am I trying to protect myself from? See, anger is often a secondary emotion. You can calm your fears. You can even heal hurts. But I don't think anger will ever be satisfied. See, Saul's living in, in fear, and that fear over the next chapters ha has him even use his own daughter as like a way to trap David and get him killed by the Philistines. He promises his daughter if David will kill a hundred Philistines, hoping that the Philistines would actually kill David. But when that doesn't happen, it says at the end of chapter 18 and verse 29, Saul was even more afraid of David. So Saul, and David, Saul was David's enemy continually. You see that fear, it just erupts out in anger, and that anger just becomes more and more uh, violent, and consuming. Saul tries several more times to kill David, but is unsuccessful. Saul's anger that's boiling up then even destroys his own family. That spear that he had in his hand seems to be continually in his hand, all the time, never being at rest or at peace. Look in chapter 20 in verse 30. Uh, it says, then Saul's Anger was kindled against Jonathan, his own son. And he said to him, You are a son of a perverse, rebellious woman. <laughs> that anger has even now attacked his own son and his own wife, who has done absolutely nothing wrong. He said, Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse to your own shame, and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, neither you nor your kingdom shall be established. Therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. Then Jonathan answered, Saul, his father. Why should he be put to death? What's he done? But Saul hurled his spear at him, at Jonathan, to strike him. So Jonathan knew that his father was determined to put David to death. Let's stop there. Saul's anger was so uh, consuming that he's destroying his own family. You see, anger is never satisfied. It will consume you, your family, your friends. See, hurts can be healed. Fears can be calmed but anger will never be satisfied. So maybe it's time to let go of the spear. Maybe it's time to let go of the anger, the jealousy. We're gonna turn now to our second part of our message. Uh, and if we shouldn't be walking around with a spear in our hands to protect ourselves, what should be in our hands? Let's look at what's in the hands of David. Uh, chapter 21, it says this in verse, beginning in verse 1. Then David came to Nob, to Ahimelech, the priest, 
And Ahimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, Why are you alone and no one with you? And David said to Ahimelech the priest, The king has charged me with a matter and said to me, Let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread. If the young men have kept themselves from women. So David on the run from Saul goes to a city called Nob. And there it's later identified in the following chapters as the city of priests. It's the place of the priesthood. It appears that David's hungry and on the run. But actually, I think the scene at hand uh, may not be as clear in our first reading as we think it might be. I think there's something deeper going on here. It appears that David is coming and saying, hey, what do you, what do you have on hand? What's, what's laying around? What, what can I have to eat? There's something more going on here than first appears. Uh, notice what David asked him. He said, what do you have on hand? Now, he didn't literally mean what is on your hand. We use that as an idiom, right? Uh, it's a way of saying, hey, what do you have in your possession or what's available or, or, or what's here? The, the Young's Literal, though, uh, has a little bit different translation. And I, I don't think he's actually asking what, what's available. Uh, it says this in the Young's Literal. This is how it translates it in verse 3. And now, what is under thy hand? Five loaves give into my hand. Or that which is found. What is under thy hand? Well, David comes up to the priest with empty hands, palms up, and asks and asks the priest, what is under your hand? No, it's a phrase actually only used three times in the Bible, and two of them are in this, this chapter. And it doesn't mean what's available or what's in storage. Rather, it has this idea of under authority, or like maybe under your thumb or, or, or under your hands. What do you have authority over? So David says, what authority do you have? And with empty hands, he says, please put it in my hands. Fill my hands. But David doesn't just go to the tabernacle and grab whatever he can. He goes to a place that's identified uh, for priest. This knob, the city of priests, he goes to the priest asking, uh, what do you have under your authority? Please fill my hands. Well, it's the Sabbath day, and the priest, they take this holy bread, which, which he has authority over, and, and he gives it to David. The consecrated showbread, uh, he gives to David. Now, this highly symbolic act would be shocking to anyone who heard this in David's day. Let me, let me explain why. The holy bread, or the bread of presence, or if you grew up reading the King James Version, the show bread, was something special in the tabernacle. There was this special table in the tabernacle. It was all uh, gold-laden, and on it, it had 12 loaves of bread. And those, 
That bread was actually shaped so that it would face each other and remind the, of the presence of God. There are 12 loaves, uh, symbolizing the 12 tribes of Israel, most likely. Now, each Sabbath, they were to uh, bake new loaves of bread and switch out the old loaves uh, with the new loaves. The priests then, uh, what we're told about in the Torah, is that they have some like holy ceremony and we eat the, these loaves together. Now, it may sound like that's a lot of bread, but at Nob, we know that there were 85 priests. Uh, so 12 loaves for 85 men, that's really seven priests for one loaf of bread. The priests would gather in a holy, holy place with the holy bread, the bread of God's presence. God's presence was there, and they would break it and eat it. Reminds you a little bit of the way we do communion, doesn't it? And if you saw the picture of that table, you would see right in the middle of those uh, two stacks of six loaves of bread, right in the middle would be a, a pitcher full of wine. It, it was the, the pouring out offering. It was the wine of the offering of uh, pouring out the drink offering. So on that table in the tabernacle, there sat bread and wine that the priests were to enjoy. One thing is very clear in the Torah, though, is that only the priests were to eat the bread in a holy place. It was the bread of presence. So, so it had to be where the Lord's presence was. We see this a little bit as Jesus will talk about this later in Matthew with his disciples eating the grains, uh, the heads of the grain. And he says, uh, look, the, the priests, they work on the Sabbath and yet they don't profane the Sabbath. It's OK for them to work on the Sabbath. And in the same way, my disciples who are serving me uh, are like those priests. So it's OK that they eat on the Sabbath. So David comes with empty hands to the priest and ask the priest to put it into his hands or, or to fill his hands. Now, something else as profound is going on here. Not just that David is, is hungry. He could have really gone anywhere to get food. When priests were ordained, the idea is that their hands were filled you read about the ceremony in Exodus 29 and Leviticus 8. The men would go through a concentration, a constant, a consecration period where they would be they would be holy, set apart, not just clean, but holy. Which may be why it's important that David was consecrated beforehand, and then come to the priest. Now in the in the priestly rite of becoming a priest, they would bring a sacrifice and the priest would sacrifice and then they would take a part of the sacrifice and they would fill the hands of the person becoming a priest. And in that way, it would give them authority then to, to go and be able to sacrifice and become a priest. Well, David comes with empty hands and asks, what authority do you have? Place it in my hands, fill my hands. Well, the priest he doesn't take a sacrifice and make David a priest. He, he takes this bread of presence that only the priest could eat, though. And he takes this bread and gives it to 
David. It's just been noted, some commentaries like Peter Lightheart suggest that, that in some unique way then, David is made a, a type of a temporary priest able to eat the, the holy bread. A, a foreshadow, a picture of what the kingdom will be like when the true king and priest comes and breaks down the dividing wall and invites everyone in to become a kingdom of priests, to partake of the, the holy bread together, to work for the Lord on the Sabbath. What a humble picture of coming to the Lord with empty hands and, and having him fill it with just what you need for each day. We receive what he provides and then we come back to him the next day asking, okay, Lord, uh, just give me what I need for today. Give, give me the wisdom, the patience, the forgiveness I need just for today. Not for tomorrow or the next day, but coming with empty hands each day and saying, Lord, would you fill my hands? Would you allow me to be a priest to my family, to my friends, to my coworkers? Would I offer praise and sacrifice on their behalf? And David is in some way, a, a picture of what this king and priest will be like, but not the full king and priest. Now, if our story ended there, it'd be great. And David would see this opportunity to fill the hands. Uh, but David is not the true king priest. He's just a, a shadow of it. And, and so here, David sees this opportunity to, to fill his hands with a sword and gives in to fear, we'll see, and it responds very much like Saul did. Look in verse 8. Then David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistines, whom you have struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it is here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take it, take it, for there is none like it here. And David says, there is none like that. Give it to me. Verse 10. And David rose and fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. That's the city of Goliath. And the servants of Achish said to him, is not this David the king of the land? Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And David took these words to heart and was much afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. Now we heard that song at the beginning of our text and Saul responds with fear. And now here that song is, again, it forms the end, the bookmark, the bookend, the inclusio. Uh, the first time that it's sung, Saul's afraid and grabs a spear. The second time, it's referenced, and we see David is afraid and grabs a sword. Both of them filling their hands with what they can to, in order to protect or what they think will satisfy. But they're both driven by fear. So here's the last observation. I think as long as our hands are full of swords and spears anger and jealousy, protection. You, you won't have the empty hands to receive from the Lord. We are to be a people 
that empty our hands and return to the Lord each day and ask, Lord, give us today our daily bread, this bread that you provide that will satisfy. Make me a priest to those around me. Let, let me be gracious and kind. Now, in a very similar way that David has come to this place where the, God's presence is, where the kingdom of God is displayed through his people, this holy place to break holy bread. Jesus gives us communion. On the night before he was betrayed, he invites his disciples to come, and he breaks the bread with them and says, this is my body broken for you. And he, he pours out the wine and says, this, this wine is the blood of the covenant, the new covenant that will ultimately satisfy. Come to me. You've been listening to the Hollyview Podcast. Please join us for our worship service every Sunday morning at 1030. We're located on Southeast 257th Avenue, just off Highway 212 in Damascus, Oregon. And you can find us online at hollyviewchurch.com. Thank you for listening to the Hollyview Podcast.